This is Corkscrew Convo's Another Theme Park Podcast. My name is Chris. And my name is DJ. And we're here today to talk about theme parks, roller coasters, barbecue, Six Flags America, and everything else under the sun in its time. But first, let's get this disclaimer out of the way. The views, opinions, and information expressed during the following presentation are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent organizations affiliated with those individuals. Well, we've got the disclaimer out of the way. That's always my favorite part of the show. Just kidding. Uh, I do have many favorite parts, though. But we're going to get into the meat and potatoes of the part of this show. We're going to jump in fairly quickly as this is a very special episode. We've done episodes like these in the past, um, and we've kind of been experimenting with this. We're trying to figure out which park to focus on next. Uh, But what we're talking about today is our plan a park. And so what we're gonna do is jump into a park that I've actually not been to, I've been extremely close to, um, but Chris has been to this park a few times, a couple couple times actually. It's located over in Maryland, close to Washington DC actually, and that is Six Flags America. You're right, DJ, you're right about that. This is an interesting park. We're about to plan its future. We've done it once before, with Cedar Point and that was a very nice episode it was a ton of fun to record it we got a lot of feedback about it people interested in what they might have done for America's roller coast but now we're choosing another park and this is a park in the United States it's located pretty close to two almost Twin City-esque metropolitan areas what are some other features about this park, DJ? Well, they have a hypercoaster. Uh, for you, dear listener, if you haven't listened in the past or maybe you're not familiar with the, what that is, it means they have a park that they have a roller coaster that's over 200 feet tall. So that's very special. It means uh, a park that look uh, a roller coaster that looks extremely tall, looks great in the land, in the background, in the landscape. People go crazy over it. Height equals scary, right? And they also have a 104-year-old coaster. So this coaster was moved from a previous park over to this park, um, and lots of history involved with that. Uh, This is a park with a lot of room to grow, a ton of acres that they could use and what we might use in our plan a park once we get into it, and a lot of things that maybe they could improve on too. Um, This is a park, most importantly, I will say, at which I had my first date, DJ. Wow. I've had a few dates at various amusement parks and water parks, but your first date, that's a pretty bold move. Well, yeah, it was it was a first date with this person, but it was also sort of my first date ever. Uh, my mother drove us up to this park. Uh, she also went to the park, too, because there's nothing really else going on in the area, and we weren't terribly old either. <laughs> Looking back, very cringy, DJ, but... I wouldn't change it for the world. I totally get that. I was more simple. I, I stuck to movies, so uh, yeah. But, uh, bravo to you. <laughs> well, Six Flags America. That's right. So this is a park in Maryland. It has nine roller coasters. Let's go through that list real quickly. They have the Wild One, which is that super old roller coaster, originally opened in 1917 in Massachusetts. It was uh, then moved in the 80s to its current location in Maryland. They also have Mind Eraser, which is a Vacoma Suspended Looping Coaster, or SLC as they're usually called. Boo. (laughs) Uh, It's not my favorite coaster, Uh, but there's also Roar, which was a Great Coasters International GCI wooden coaster with a real twisty layout that opened in 1998, so it was one of the first roller coasters made by GCI. 
They also have Joker's Jinx, opened a year later in 1999. It is a Premier Rides Spaghetti Bowl roller coaster with a linear induction motor launch, very similar to the Flight of Fear coasters at Kings Island and Kings Dominion, um, and also pretty similar to Poltergeist at Six Flags Fiesta Texas. For the little ones, there is a roller coaster called Great Chase. It opened in 99 as well, so the late 90s. It turns out they were pretty big years for Six Flags America, and that is a Zamperla family coaster. Uh, very small, but got to have something for everyone. And then, oh, a year later in 2000, they had Superman Ride of Steel. It's an intimate hyper coaster. A lot of helices, a lot of straightaways, a few hills, uh, but it is a clone, mirror image of the same roller coaster at Darien Lake. Uh, there was also Batman a year later, a Vekoma Flying Dutchman, one of only three ever created, um, with one of them currently at Carowinds under the name Nighthawk, um, and the other, which has now been made defunct, was Firehawk at Kings Island. They also have a floorless coaster by B&M uh, named Firebird, which is actually the first B&M coaster when it opened in 1990 as a stand-up coaster named Iron Wolf. And the latest roller coaster that they've had added is Ragin' Cajun. It was built in 2014, moved from Six Flags Great America, and is a Zamperla spinning wild mouse. So that is their collection of roller coasters, DJ. Uh, it's a, a pretty nice collection. I mean, they have some big things and some little things, too. Why don't we get into the history of the park, DJ? How does that sound? That sounds good. I think the most striking thing you've said so far is the biggest gap between Batwing and Firebird. 11 years with no new roller coaster at all. Yeah, well, hopefully uh, we might add a coaster or two when we get handed the reins for this park. Uh, but Six Flags America, it did not open under that name. It actually opened in 1973 as a wildlife preserve. And then a year later, it became a drive through safari until 1978 when it sort of began the transition to become an amusement park named Wild World. Um, and it would have that name until it was purchased by Premier Parks in 1992, where it would then be given the name Adventure World, sort of shifting gears a little bit from wild to adventure. And finally, when Premier Parks acquired Six Flags, it became Six Flags America in 1999 as the 10th park under the name Six Flags. Sounds like it was just in such a good spot that Six Flags had to get a hold of it. Uh, dear listener, this park is located extremely close to Washington, D.C. It's close to Richmond. It's close to Baltimore. Uh, it, it, it serves a lot of metropolitan areas. Right. It's about five miles from the outer limits of Washington, D.C. and about 30 miles from Baltimore. So it's relatively close to two large metropolitan areas. So it's near a whole lot of people. They also, though, in addition to all the coasters and the, the things that we've mentioned so far, they have their own water park that's under the same ticket, and that is Hurricane Harbor. It has one of the largest wave pools in the world. I don't believe it's the largest anymore. I'm pretty sure that record has been taken. Uh, but if you were to look at a satellite image of Six Flags America... It's a big wave pool. <laughs> I remember uh, the little pre-work we did. We were looking at the park map, and you said, uh, that's pretty much to scale, which if yeah. you know park maps, <laughs> dear listener, that's usually not the case. Mm -hmm. And uh, concerning the water park, they do have a decent selection of water slides. Uh, they have some two slides and some body slides as well. Um, something that 
interests me a whole lot about Six Flags America and something maybe that will change in our Plano Park segment. Six Flags America has never, ever received an entirely new custom roller coaster in the park's entire history. Why don't you wrap your head around that, DJ? I couldn't believe that. I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. But what that means for those of you listening at home, what a custom roller coaster is, this park has not met with somebody who makes roller coasters, a manufacturer, to say, here's our land, make us something that does X, Y, and Z, and let's do some great work. This is bringing in already proven concepts. So they were either moved from another park or they were cloned with the exact same blueprints, the exact same schematics at a neighboring park or another park already in existence. So it's a, it's an interesting thing, but DJ, I'm kind of glad that it's that way because when we do this Planet Park segment and when we add a custom roller coaster, we can market it as the first custom roller coaster ever coming to Six Flags America. Well, not ever coming because that would mean it was the only one. But it hurts the brand a little the, bit the way you say that, I feel like. <laughs> well, let's just say I have some learning to do. But the, the first roller coaster, the first custom coaster yet at Six Flags America. I don't know, something like that. But with Six Flags America, they have a relatively long operating season, um, at least as of the last couple of years. Because they do have a Hollow Fest event in the fall and then holiday in the park in the wintertime. And uh, this is very important for our sandbox dreams in this episode. Something that I was incredibly surprised to hear, but listen to this, DJ. There is a ton of land available in and around the park that we can play with, DJ. And I, I don't know about you, but when I saw the satellite image, that is 523 acres, but DJ, they're only using 131. That's pretty much 300 acres wow. that they have to play with, that we have to play with. Um, yeah. I, I too, Somebody build a hotel too, already. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe. Maybe. That's a, if it becomes a destination, we might have to. But there's a lot that we can do. It's a blank canvas for us, and that really excites me. So, DJ, now let's go into our timeline of the last decade of Six Flags America. Let's see what they did. Let's look at some of their tendencies, and let's see if they inform what we do when we start planning the park. So 2010, DJ, they added a kitty area. It was originally named Thomastown for Thomas the Tank Engine. A year later, it renamed it was renamed to Whistle Stop Park, where it still has that name today, and that is an area for little rides for small children. 2011, Zumazon Falls. It wasn't a new slide complex, but a retheming and renaming of an existing water slide structure. What did they do after that, DJ? We had Apocalypse, a B&M stand-up coaster. Now, this is interesting because we talked about this earlier. Uh, we were giving a, down the, the lineup of the roller coasters that there are at this park. Apocalypse was brought over from uh, a different park. Um, and again, not breaking any records. It's already existed before. Again, nothing super original. Um, but what has happened, uh, I believe back in 2019 was its first year. 
um, they debuted Firebird, which was the exact same ride, um, but instead of standing up, yes, you used to stand up vertically in this ride and you were strapped down, um, you were now riding in a floorless car. So you get in the car, you're sitting down like a normal ride, and the floor comes out from under you, it collapses, and you no longer uh, have anything below you. So it's just your feet and the track. And interestingly enough, I actually have the banner in my garage of uh, Apocalypse. I have the banner that says, your last chance to take a ride on Apocalypse uh, in my garage right now. Wow, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, so oh, that's, 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 that. that's my little... Uh, my little connection is park not been there, but I got it in an auction. So I, I felt like I made a good decision. Let's, let's just say that. That's great. Well, in 2013, they added bonsai pipelines to hurricane Harbor. That was a six slide structure, really adding to the capacity of the water park. 2014 was some big changes, DJ. They added an entire section and that was their Mardi Gras section. And they also added a roller coaster under the name of Ragin' Cajun which was a Zamperla spinning wild mouse. It is a decently fun ride, and it was moved from Six Flags Great America, just like Iron Wolf that became Apocalypse, also came from that park in Illinois. They also added Larson Flying Scooters under the name of French Quarter Flyers, and I'll say it made for a really nice environment in the park. Um, I did have the pleasure of visiting the park when they had the Mardi Gras section added the last time I went. Um, and like I said, Raging Cajun, it's a fun ride. I've ridden several Zamperla Spinning Wild Mice, and uh, they're good, solid rides, and it was a good area that really looked nice. What about 2015, DJ? 2015, we added to that uh, Mardi Gras section with the Bourbon Street Fireball. This is a Larson Giant Loop. Uh, according to Six Flags, I'm sure they marketed this as a roller coaster. <laughs> uh, this is a flat ride, though, a giant loop. Essentially, you've probably seen them at a fair you've been to or many other parks. Just a big loop. Uh, you're, you're strapped into your seat over the shoulder restraints, and you slowly ascend this loop structure until you eventually go all the way around. Then you stop upside down, I think, and do it all again backwards. Um, so that's in the Mardi Gras section again, adding to that, uh, making a bigger presence there. 2016, we were given Splashwater Falls. Now this is a family aquatic play structure over in the water park. We have six small slides, interactive play elements. I'm sure you've seen something like this before too if you've been to any water park. Just a great way to uh, uh, enjoy some time if you're a little one. Uh, plenty of different water elements to play with. Uh, get to go down maybe your first big slide. I know that was my experience on one of these. Uh, so definitely a place to uh, to build up some courage to ride some bigger water rides and even some roller coasters as well. In 2017, they added a another major attraction under the name of Wonder Woman Lasso of Truth. Uh, and this was a fun time star flyer. Well, I I know that the name that they they've used that at a ton no, of no, Six no, Flags no, no, parks no. for no no the that's the, not your problem the name the name is fine I I've been on the world's tallest star flyer and that is an experience I never want to repeat ever again in my life <laughs> you know I've never ridden a star flyer I've done uh. the wind seekers before but I've never done a star flyer this particular model was only 242 feet tall, and I'm pretty sure they had to jump through a few hoops to well, get that height variance at this park, but the one that you rode, I know that it's much taller e than that. Even this one, though, you're not doing it a lot of justice. This ride, dear listener, is like the old school chain swings. It's You're in this metal seat 
with four silver chains supporting you, and you're literally just swinging around. This one, although you say not as intimidating, you're still 242 feet in the air, which I believe is this park's tallest attraction, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I, I will never do that ever again. Hmm. They go fast, well, too. I, I think they go like 45 miles an hour or something like that. I know the world's largest one, I'm pretty sure, hits 50 or something like that. My word. That seems like a pretty intimidating experience. <laughs> that is one time where I was actually shaking on a ride when I got off. I was visibly <laughs> shaking. Wow. Uh, it is worth mentioning, um, when we talk about the future of Six Flags America, um, this attraction was 242 feet tall. It's the tallest thing that Six Flags America has ever built, and probably the tallest that they could build, uh, because they have a lot of regulations um, because of a nearby airport. And I got to thinking, I thought, huh, Ronald Reagan International Airport is on the other side of D.C., and BWI and Dulles are pretty far away, too. But then DJ started looking at the satellite image, and there was one airport that I forgot about, and that is Andrews Air Force Base, uh, which is relatively close to Six Flags America. And DJ, what is at Andrews Air Force Base? Well, that's where we keep Air Force One, of course. That's where it's ready to go at any time with the proximity as close as it is to Washington, D.C., and really, this proximity to this park, I mean, it's got to be less than a 10-minute drive, I would say, from this park. I mean, the size of the base as well, it, when you look at it from a satellite, you, you pick it out pretty quick. You're like, oh, there's there's the base <laughs> right there. So I'm sure there are some height restrictions. Um, they need to be able to scramble fast, uh, not have to worry about amusement rides in the area. So maybe that is mm -hmm. uh, kind of a reason why this park hasn't expanded in ways maybe it has wanted to. I think that there's a lot that we can do without going for height records. There are so many parks around the world, Alton Towers being one of them, um, that has height restrictions and that forces them to be creative. So I'm hoping that that will maybe inspire us to be creative with our additions as well. Uh, in 2018, they went back to their water park. They made Wahoo River, which was a refurbished version of what was their Lazy River, um, recreating it to be a wavy river where it's a little more adventurous than simply floating in tubes. In 2019, as DJ previously mentioned, they added Firebird, which was the floorless conversion of what was Apocalypse. Now naming it Firebird, it got a new paint job, new trains, new ride experience, and uh, it was a people pleaser. In 2020, they were originally supposed to add Harley Quinn Spin Sanity, which one of, is one of those Zamperla Discoveries, which is a very popular, very striking flat ride where it's sort of a pendulum ride that swings, but you're on a ring that also rotates while you're swinging. Um, lots of companies offer different versions of this ride, but it's a great experience and it's impressive. People love to look at it. Uh, that's what they were going to add in 2020. That's now going to open in 2021. This is also the version where you're sitting on the outside, you're facing outside. Some other companies have the yeah. opposite, where you face each other, facing inside. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a great experience. One of my favorite flat rides. Um, in addition to, of course, the Zamperla Air Race that I had mentioned in the previous episode. But looking back at this decade, DJ... Reminds me of Six Flags' approach to new attractions at their 
more than 20 parks that they operate and build for in North America, DJ. I call it the Six Flags way, or maybe they do, I don't know, but it's the Six Flags way of marketing new additions and new, new spending. They always have a new experience to push, something that they can put on a park map or a souvenir cup, even if it's just repainted slides that you're renaming. That's a new thing and that's a big deal because they said it's a big deal and that gets the guests thinking, oh, look at those new slides or oh, look at that new flat ride. And every year there's something that they can push to people. Other parks don't necessarily follow that way. They might sort of just say, ah, this is the park. We added something two years ago, and we're going to add something pretty close in the future, but this is the park. That's not so with Six Flags. They always have something that they're serving to you as a new experience, and I think that's, um, I think it's worked for them in the past decade when you look at them coming out of their bankruptcy restructuring at the beginning of this decade, they're definitely not spending as much as they did before they went into bankruptcy, of course, but this new way of always just pushing a new experience of any stature, I think it's worked for them, in addition to their switching to memberships where you pay a small amount every month, and then it's sort of a subscription like with Netflix. What do you think about that, DJ? Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think the other pattern you notice, too, is... You know, saving them money with getting maybe smaller experiences or retheming things, repainting things, moving from old parks uh, to a different park, different location, calling it a new experience. I think what also um, they do do, though, um, is all of these parks, it seems Did like... Did you say do-do? I, I, I might have. Sorry. Sorry, everybody. Dear but, listener, I apologize for DJ. What these larger parks do, though... Um, and really all of the Six Flags parks, maybe except the exception being Six Flags America, is every, you know, three to five, maybe seven years, um, these parks will get a major capital expansion. Um, now, I know, like, financial terms, what is a major capital expenditure as opposed to a smaller one? Um, how do you determine that? But, you know, when we watch these year-round, like, coming to Six Flags next year and they do all of their parks, their big announcement videos, there's always two or three parks that really kind of catch you off guard and it's like, wow, I now I kind of want to go to that park, you know, whether it's like Twisted Colossus at Magic Mountain, uh, even the new Mock Aqua Coaster thing at uh, Six Flags Over Texas, any of the RMCs that happen, uh, it seems like RMCs make it easily a park you want to go to immediately, uh, Max Force, Six Flags Over America, or Great America, um, but it seems like Six Flags America, though, they're not part of that. It seems like they're just, like you said, they're kind of just figuring out the new experience, an easy way to do it. Not an easy way, maybe, is the wrong word, but an inexpensive way, a way to make their money go farther. Um, and there could be some reasons for that, and we'll probably talk about that, too, in a little bit. But, yeah, they don't seem to get that big e-ticket attraction or that big sacred cow attraction well let me speak to that dj i mean you, you compare six flags to other six flags parts there are definitely tiers of six flags parks when it comes to spending you look at something like six flags magic mountain down there just north of los angeles six flags great adventure uh, about 
30 minutes, 45 minutes, depending on traffic outside of New York City, uh, Six Flags Fiesta, Texas, well, even San Antonio. Magic Mountain, I think, still holds the record for most roller coasters anyway, right? Yes, that is uh, still the case. But these parks, including maybe Six Flags over Texas as well, they, it seems like, are getting the biggest and best additions more frequently than the rest of the Six Flags chain. Um, and there are other Six Flags parks, very similar to Six Flags America, that have a similar degree of investment when it comes to flashy spending, like The Great Escape up in upstate New York, um, Six Flags St. Louis as well. So Six Flags America is definitely not alone in that regard. But let me, let me float this by you, DJ, and see what you think. Um, we've already said Six Flags America, five miles from D.C., 30 miles from Baltimore. There are so many people that live very close to that park. It could be that Six Flags America is simply what we in the business world call a cash cow that doesn't need flashy investment to get solid attendance numbers and solid spending. Because people are going to go anyway. Because there's just so many people there that they don't need a major roller coaster every three years or so. What do you say to that, DJ? I have trouble believing that's the chief reason, only because the parks that we've talked about previously, it seems like they're the exact opposite of that. Magic Mountain being outside of LA, huge population center over Texas, but also Dallas. You're also outside of Chicago with Great America. Fiesta, Texas, mm. and San Antonio. I don't know. There's definitely a lot of competition when it comes to Magic Mountain, so I see why they do what they do to stay in the race. Well, another thing um, to point out as well that, that might be relevant to this, and I think is maybe a bigger part of the formula here, is that you have two other theme parks very close to this one, uh, one of which could be considered a destination park, that being Busch Gardens Williamsburg, um, one of... Probably, I would say, my favorite park that I've been to um, for all around everything they have. And then also King's Dominion offering essentially an extreme sort of thrill on top of a great family experience. And we'll kind of get into this too. But we were talking earlier when we were doing the pre-work for this and something we realized pretty quickly both of those parks, Busch Gardens Williamsburg in Williamsburg, Virginia being extremely close and King's Dominion um, being also extremely close uh, in Doswell, Virginia, actually closer than Busch Gardens Williamsburg is. Um, it seems like both of those parks have every single experience that Six Flags America has, but it's bigger and better. Or it's just, I mean, I, I, I just said this, but it's just an all around better experience, whether it's a taller coaster, um, a better layout of that taller coaster, not as many clones. Um, you know, pretty much we can go down the line and look at all these roller coasters they have specifically and say, okay, a ride like Firebird, for instance. Well, we've got Dominator at King's Dominion. I mean, pretty much subjectively, I would say a better, <laughs> or objectively, a better roller coaster experience. We have Superman at Six Flags America, but then we have Intimidator 305 one of the most intense roller coasters ever built at King's Dominion. Okay, we can pretty much say objectively, probably a better roller coaster. What do you think about well, that? Well, DJ, if you want to talk about nearby competition, 
you also have to mention Hershey Park. Oh, that's and true. Yep. Maybe even Dorney Park yep. and Six Flags Great Adventure. Because once you get up there just north of the mid-Atlantic, heading through Pennsylvania and New York, mm-hmm. there are so many parks there because there's so many people there. It's sort of this megalopolis of population once you get up there towards New York. The American Dream, so there is, the new indoor theme park, yes, that's another one. There's a new player in the stage. There's Legoland. a lot of people, but there's also, and now Legoland, there's a lot of competition. So maybe Six Flags America in this future that we're planning for this park, maybe we'll give them something unique, something to stand out in a very crowded field of amusement parks and theme parks in the mid-Atlantic. And one more thing about this park that I don't think we've touched on yet. They do have a, a, a very well laid out, a very big, I should say, um, group area event uh, for special events. Yeah. And I wonder if that's also coming into your cash cow argument with the military base being so close by, huge population center, DC's right there. I wonder if the group sales numbers are also really keeping this al- alive and, and, and helping it do well. And kind of that equation, if they can add something every single year, then in that sales conversation, it's like, well, you know, we, we are doing something new and there's always something to talk about. It's not the same old, same old. Yeah, there's something that those sales representatives can go back to their uh, their clients and say, all right, let's just change the dates on this contract. Let's do it again next year. We're also going to have this, and they'll give them maybe a, a quick handout on a flashy new, well, not a flashy, but a, on a new edition coming to Six Flags America. Oh, we're going to have this flat right now. Your kids are going to love it. Maybe that's an angle that they can use every year. In that conversation, like I think it's easy too with something like Firebird, for instance. Well, Apocalypse had been there for eight years, and you and I know that. Well, all they did was change the trains, repaint the track, add a new sign. It's pretty much almost the exact same coaster experience. But these sales executives and these employees can say, "Oh, we have an all brand new roller coaster," and they probably yeah. the person signing that contract has no idea. The similarities, and that's not to say that's a dirty thing by any means, but it's a very efficient way of doing things. Right. It's probably the least they've ever had to spend for a quote-unquote new roller coaster. Yeah, that's that's very true. So we've discussed Six Flags America a little bit. We've debated a few things. Let's go over some things that I think we must do when we really take creative control of the park, DJ. Number one improve the layout and flow of the park that is eliminating dead ends mm-hmm. we're gonna remove maybe oddly placed fixtures of the park be them attractions or buildings or something else um to really make the park flow better because when i first visited there i was i was confused i said wait how do i get to that coaster oh do i oh, i have to go through here and and now turn this way. And I will say this is something that they have been fixing in the past decade as well. When they added the Mardi Gras section in 2014, they did create a pathway loop where there never was one before. Because previously you had to walk a long time to get to the Wild One entrance, and it was pretty hard to find it. Now it's relatively close to the Mardi Gras section and the new Mardi Gras street that they have in the area. So it, it, was much easier to access it with that new loot that they added. So they are already starting to fix it, but that is something 
that I think we should continue to work on when we get creative control of this park in just a few minutes. I also think, like with any park, but especially Six Flags America, we should increase the number of reliable high-capacity attractions um, that are the crowd-pleasers that are going to be open, that are coasters that look great, to really add capacity to this park as a whole. Because we said at the, t at the beginning of the show, this park is only 131 acres out of the 500 acres that they have. If you add some capacity to this park to really build it out, to really welcome the crowds of the people that live nearby, because so many people live nearby this park, it could be big business. Yeah, and there's just interesting choices with the layout. Like, you know, you, it, when you told me how you had to get to the wild one, I was a bit surprised that it had gone on for so long. I think it's good that they did add that kind of roundabout because it shows, okay, you know, they're paying attention. I'm sure that came out of a guest survey or something to where they decided, let's get this all connected and, and make it make more sense. But the fact that Superman is all the way in the back of the park, and then you see Batwing, this Vacoma flying coaster we talked about, I mean, it is literally in the middle of nowhere, and it's it's in yes. a theme park. It's I wonder what the ridership numbers for that ride is, knowing how far back it is. Not only that, but also you cannot see this thing because it is absolutely dwarfed by their hyper coaster over 200 feet in the air, Superman, uh, just towering over it. I mean, you would never know it's there unless you had a park map or your buddy told you about it or you were just you just happened to notice it when you're on Superman. Right. Um, that is a, a nice point. Like we said, you have to walk so far to get to both Superman and then Batwing. Uh, they have added something along the way in the form of the Wonder Woman's Lasso of Truth, that uh, Funtime Starflyer, but it's still uh, pretty isolated in that area of the park. Something else I think we're going to have to do. We need to increase the number of quote-unquote all-ride attractions. And do you know what I mean when I say all-ride attractions? This is a ride where you can take literally anybody in the family on it, um, as long as there's, you know, age and height isn't isn't an issue here. We're just needing a companion, someone responsible, usually 16 years or older, to ride with the, the person that might not be tall enough. Right. I want something in this park that the whole family can ride, even the baby carried in the arms. And... I didn't always think this way, because you think about regional parks, even in their kiddie areas, where it's just uh, little flat rides that go in a circle. Not everyone can ride that, but that's pretty much all there is for the little ones until they get maybe a little older, and then their parents can ride with them. And it's, it's a, a disconnect, and it's something that the big destination parks do really well. When you think about even Disney parks especially, there are so many attractions that everyone can ride as long as they can sit safely in that attraction um, and be supervised if they need to be supervised by a supervising companion. Something that children can ride on their parents' laps and experience. Something that everyone can ride. A lot of times at Disney parks, it's a slow-moving dark ride or even a slow-moving flume ride that doesn't have a drop. Maybe think um, It's a Small World or any of the Fantasyland dark rides in Disneyland. I really think that regional parks have been missing out by not having this attraction that anyone can ride. 
and that anyone would want to ride. Another thing that goes into that as well um, with height and, and age and, you know, you're supervising, let's say you have a baby with you and you're supervising the baby. What's also important why those height markers are there or why you need a companion with you is in the case of a needed evacuation on the ride. Um, a lot of the times, if the person's tall enough, they know what the clearances that they could handle. For instance, getting out of the restraint if the ride were to come to emergency stop, getting over to a catwalk and having the mental fortitude to you know, do what they need to do to safely evacuate off the ride. That's another point to think about as well. Yeah, that is another point. Another thing that I think we need to do, that we need to focus on when we get control... We need to develop the park with the goal of four seasons of thrills. I think that's a, a phrase that's been used in the past by Six Flags Parks when they um, open up new seasons, like, for example, winter in the park, no, holiday in the park. Um, the parks, uh, Six Flags Parks, including Six Flags America, they're really pushing the season longer and longer uh, now that they are including a lot of the winter as well and then opening up pretty early on in spring of the next year as well. So adding attractions that are going to be operating and popular in all climates uh, throughout the year, namely not water attractions necessarily, DJ. Not water attractions and, and speed as well, speed and height. You know, if, if it's colder out, it's going to feel terrible on your face. Uh, and working yeah. with manufacturers that can operate in those lower temperature conditions is extremely important, especially, like you said, for going into winter. Like, I live in the center of the country, but <laughs> we're about to have negative 16-degree weather Tuesday, so you never know what Ouch. could happen. Yeah, that sounds like a hot chocolate day. You need to get some hot chocolate, sit on the couch underneath a few blankets, and just wait it out. I actually bought a new coffee maker, so I'll be using that. Well, another thing I think that we should do is, of course, as with any park that we're taking control of, is improve or remove low satisfaction attractions. If you're taking those guest surveys and people are saying, you know, I really didn't enjoy this experience right here, and you're getting a lot of people saying that, it might just be best not to have that attraction anymore. There are a lot of things that go into removing an attraction and why that might be, but if people aren't enjoying it, that's a first step on the way to removal, I'd say. Another thing, DJ, we only have two left, but these are two big ones. We need to leverage existing licenses that Six Flags already has with these new additions. Namely, Looney Tunes, which are sort of maybe even coming into a renaissance with um, HBO Max creating new Looney Tunes shorts, and DC Comics. I know it's not the likeness of the DC Extended Universe in the movies that they have the license to, but they have the comic book likenesses that they can work with, and that's big too. I mean, it's the same names, the same general appearances. It's very popular, DJ. And here's one out of left field for you. Are you ready for this? Let's hear it. Garfield. In 2017... Lasagna-themed ride. Well, maybe having a lasagna restaurant nearby, okay, but okay. a few years ago, Six Flags announced a deal with uh, a Chinese company to build lots of Six Flags parks. These were just going to be mainly amusement parks under the Six Flags brand 
and maybe providing some strategic leadership as well uh, with these new parks. But that deal fell through in 2020 because of 2020. But DJ, something very exciting that they announced when they were still on track to open these Chinese Six Flags parks was Garfield Dark Rides, where they were going to have these Sally Dark Rides. I believe it was Sally Corporation that was going to be making these Dark Rides. And then having these nice Garfield character animatronics throughout the ride. It wasn't just going to be uh, cardboard flats or projections. It was actual animated figures that were articulating and moving, and they looked great. I think they were at the 2019 IAPA Expo on the trade show floor. Uh, they were a big deal. They were very impressive to look at. And unfortunately, the deal uh, for those Chinese Six Flags parks fell through. Now I wonder if they would make those Garfield dark rides in domestic Six Flags parks. So that's just another potential license that they may have access to, but definitely the existing ones, Looney Tunes and DC Comics, are pretty big as well. Now the last one, DJ, last must do, I'll say. Something we've talked about before, but something unique. Something that will differentiate them from King's Dominion and Hershey Park and Great America and Great Adventure and Bush Gardens Williamsburg. Something that is unique to Six Flags America. I think that's very important to have, and I think we're going to do that, DJ. So why don't we get into things that we think are on the chopping block, things that we might remove from the park? Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the places to start out with this, and you know, 2020 is a bit responsible for this as well, but probably chopping the stunt show outdoor arena. Now, live events are getting more difficult with everything with how it was in 2020. Um, not saying that it couldn't perhaps work in 2021 at a limited capacity, um, but I doubt that this really moves the needle for Six Flags. Um, although I will say, if we get rid of this, I don't believe there's any other real form of stand-up live entertainment in the park. Um, that being said, I'm not sure who goes to Six well, Flags for me, entertainment. Let me fix you there. They have two stunt show arenas, one in Coyote Creek and one in Gotham City. Okay, I saw the ugly one in Gotham City then. <laughs> so surely one of them is potentially an expansion plot that we could use. Well, yeah. So, I mean, that's what we want to get rid of is one of them. Then uh, a place not only that would have land for us to use, but also just might not be a reason to have two of these. Another thing we're looking at, though, is removing the bat wing. Now, I can agree with this. I will say I have been on uh, a version of the bat wing, these Vacoma Flying Dutchman roller coasters, uh, if you've never been on one of these, you, you load in the car just like you would a normal ride pretty closely to a normal roller coaster. You're strapped in this vest restraint. Um, I believe your ankles also get strapped in. And then the car tilts backwards to where you're lying on your back like you would be you know, laying down for bed. And then as you ascend the lift hill and come down off of the first small kind of post lift hill before you go down the big drop... You're flipped over with an inversion, and it's like you're flying for the most of the ride. I think it's a great experience. We'll say they're kind of rough. Um, not the most comfortable experience. It's more of just the kind of the intimidation and the intensity of being on your stomach 
and being completely flat rather than sitting down in a seat. Um, that said, the reason this is on chopping block is Firehawk at Kings Island, the one I've been on, um, that was demolished, uh, what, three years ago now? Um, and so it's very likely that this one will also see the chopping block soon. Um, you know, that being said, though, Vacoma is still a very established company. So I don't know if it's really a parts issue or more of a ride experience issue. And also, that being said, this ride is in the very back of the park, as we were just discussing. That's the number one thing, DJ, is location. It's hidden. And to continuously operate this roller coaster that either takes a ton of people to operate if they're going to have both sides of the station open or the line is going to move so slow because it really takes a while to get these trains loaded and moving, there are so many knocks against it. Even though the ride experience itself is unique, it is novel, but it's just such a pain to get to, it's such a pain to operate, I think it might be on the way out. I think you're right. And another ride I think is actually closer to being on its way out is Mind Eraser. This is another Vacoma coaster. This is a Vacoma SLC. Um, this is an inverted coaster. If you've seen one, you've probably seen another one. You kind of take a picture, put them side by side. You'd be like, oh yeah, I've been on that before. Um, it does give five inversions in one ride, so that's pretty good. But uh, we talked about this in our last podcast. Um, the bigger, quote-unquote, bigger version that most Six Flags parks get is the Batman clone, the B&M, kind of the Rolls-Royce version of the Mind Eraser. Um, so that being said, we know that these rides aren't comfortable. Um, could definitely see this one saying bye-bye. It's towards the front of the park. Uh, maybe put something a little more striking there. Yeah, it's definitely not my favorite roller coaster. And uh, it was... Um... I guess there's a lot I could say about the coaster, but it's it's not my favorite. And I, I think that it's not a lot of people's favorites. So I think that it's a coaster that is definitely on the chopping block um, when we are picking and choosing uh, what stays and what goes. Right next to Mind Racer in Coyote Creek is Renegade Rapids. And that is their uh, sort of whitewater rapids ride where you go on rafts down a flume. And there are bumps and jolts and spins and waterfalls. This is a ride that has a short operating season. Uh, uh, when you consider the new operating season for this Six Flags Park and for a lot of parks in the country... They don't operate their water rides for what is now becoming a major part of the time that they're open because it's just not reasonable or even desirable to have a water attraction where people are going to get soaked um, for any time during the early spring to uh, maybe even October onwards. And that's taking up room in the uh, park. And so I think a lot of parks are coming to this realization that the, the land could be better used if they put something there that's going to be open for at least more of the time that the park is open. Um, this is a water attraction, and anything that uses water is inherently going to be more expensive to maintain and operate as well. So that's another thing I think could be on the chopping block. Um, then we get the Big Easy Speedway as well, which is the upcharge go-kart attraction underneath the uh, finale helix of the Wild One. I mean, it's an upcharge go-kart attraction. Those um, are pretty often removed when you look at Kings Island or Carowinds or other parks uh, in North America if they need to get room from somewhere or if they want to 
put something in its place, um, those are pretty pretty easy decisions for a lot of parks to remove because they can then put something uh, that really adds to the prestige of the park, something that will bring people in. And I feel like with a lot of parks, the strategy is get rid of the go-kart track, put in you know a ride or something, and then to recoup that money, put some sort of you know, fast lane station or restaurant or gift shop or something to recoup some of that money that they were getting revenue from right. back. Well, coming towards the end of this chopping block segment, things that we think might be removed if uh, when we're putting together our five-year plan, but we'll see about that, is another attraction that was added in 2003. Um, it's a water ride, and you've already heard what I've said about water rides, but this is a water ride that is in the hard park. It's right next to Superman. I mean, right next to, in quotes. It's, it's pretty close to Superman, pretty close to Wonder Woman's Lasso of Truth. It's the Penguin's Blizzard River. It is a raft ride that goes down a fiberglass flume with a few helices, a few bumps, and then has a splashdown. Um, it's pretty unique. I mean, you say Six Flags America, we need to add something unique. I don't know if I could think of another ride quite like this because there are a lot of puzzling things about this. I mean, it's not in the water park, but it looks like a water park attraction. Um, these are circular rafts that people go up a conveyor belt lift and then they go down through the uh, rest of the fiberglass flume until the splashdown. Um, it's, it's interesting that it's just placed there in the park as opposed to the water park and again you've said it I've, I've said it water rides versus winter operations they don't mix so another thing that i think could be on the chopping block also especially the land that it sits on if you get rid of the penguins blizzard river you're going to have a lot of land there between wonder woman lasso of truth and harley quinn spin sanity that zimperla discovery uh, that they're adding now that would really free up some land there yeah and i i don't know what the issue issue was here i think my theory is that maybe this was a prototype for the park and they did market it as something unique and maybe they gave it to them at a cheaper price at least to do a proof of concept because it looks like it's similar to some water slides out there but I cannot get past the location. It just doesn't make sense. The other water rides are on the exact opposite corner of the park, closest to the water park. And for it to be by two major roller coasters and now a star flyer just doesn't make sense. So that's why it's on the chopping block for us. Is there anything else on the chopping block, DJ? Well, we're kind of coming to the end. And, and one final item we have, and I feel like we're kind of back and forth on this. Uh, and this will go into our wish list a little bit. But we're left with the wooden roller coaster roar. Now, we did not include the wooden roller coaster wild one, the 100-plus-year-old wooden roller coaster, because it is a better ride experience. Um, whereas roar, um, the cousin or clone of this ride uh, over at Six Flags Discovery Kingdom in California, um, that has been redone as a Rocky Mountain construction um, uh, roller coaster, hybrid roller coaster, uh, added some inversions to it. Of course, it's insanely smoother ride experience, just more enjoyable ride experience, a bit more intense. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that's what we want. I'm not sure if it's to RMC it. If we did RMC it, could it have basically 
the same layout because, I mean, if you think about it, like I said, the RMC that replaced the other roar is on the whole other, other side of the United States. You probably wouldn't realize you're riding the same thing, especially if you change the name. Um, I think theirs is Joker's Jinx or something like that over, over in California. Um, you know, I don't know what we want to do here, Chris. I feel like it would, I think it would actually be easy to replicate it. You kind of know what you're dealing with say, okay, we'll do the same thing. Maybe build upon it a little bit. Um, if you do completely scrap it though, again, you, you, you have that opportunity to build something completely new and unique. Um, that said, I don't think there's an RMC in that part of the country, right? A, a true RMC hybrid coaster. Oh, there is. No, there the, is. The closest one is Twisted that's right. Timbers at King's Dominion. No, okay, that that's right. Well, I don't know then. I think that's why I'm having difficulty with this. And it's funny because I've been on Twisted Timbers, and that's a great ride. Um, well, let me give the disclaimer hmm. with Roar. It's been some years since I've ridden it, and I have heard positive reviews from people that have ridden it in the years since. So I don't know what the state of the rider experience is of Roar right now. Um, but when I wrote it, it did leave me wanting more in terms of a wooden roller coaster experience. And then you walk across the park to the Wild One, a roller coaster that is more than 100 years old now. Uh, in my opinion, it is a superior ride experience. It is an out and back with a few twists and turns and a pretty intense helix at the end. Um, but I would favor that over Roar. Uh, at the same park, which is very interesting to note because they both have those PTC trains from the Philadelphia Toboggan Company, and they are relatively similar stature in terms of height, speed, and length, uh, but they are two different ride experiences. Well, I guess with that, we can jump into our wish list. I think that's would be the best move moving forward here. Uh, this is informed by recent additions and and kind of our ideas as well, but recent additions to Six Flags Parks, for sure. Um, not really a realistic list, I wouldn't say that at all, but just what we would want to be added, and we'll figure out where to right. place it uh, as the years go on. Right. Like, I think before we go any further, when we're planning the park's future right after this wish list, I don't know about you, DJ, DJ but I don't think we would get more than two roller coasters in our time planning this no park. way i just no don't way. think that would be realistic so if we even get one on this wish list yeah on this wish list we have lots of roller coasters it doesn't mean that we're going to be putting in all these coasters just shoehorning them in to every corner of the park that's not what we're saying um, this is just sort of the list of potential players that we might be using when we are planning the future of six flags america Absolutely. And I think we're going to start with potentially the RMC Roar Coaster. Uh, we've seen right. this done before. We know it works. Uh, we're coming straight out of the Six Flags playbook. This exact same ride has been an RMC already in California. We have other Six Flags parks RMCing existing rides. Um, we have Cedar Fair Parks doing it, other parks outside of those um, doing these conversions. Um, almost every time these parks have done it, it's made a ride experience that's not even comparable, I would say. I don't think, and I could be wrong here, Chris, I don't think there's ever been a case where any of these old wooden roller coasters, and in, in Roar's case, not really that old at all, um, but any of these 
older wooden roller coasters have been RMC'd and it's ever really been a bad thing or not an improvement in some way. Obviously, some are better than others. And I think folks would say that the one in California at Discovery Kingdom is probably on the bottom list of RMC coasters. You know, just being an RMC coaster is pretty impressive to begin with. Yeah, you think of what might be less impressive RMC coasters. Those are still maybe top three in any park. Easily, easily. Yeah, so it's it's relative that we speak in terms of upper RMC or lower RMC. They're still pretty much one of the best attractions at the park, wherever they are. Um, so it is interesting to note, though, we did have the conversion of Roar to Joker in 2016, I believe it was, at Six Flags Discovery Kingdom in California. It hasn't happened yet for this roar dj so i do wonder if we're talking about in in the real world it hasn't happened yet so i don't know if it's gonna happen but that doesn't mean it can't be on our wish list right and and also on this wish list is another rmc now this is a little bit different this isn't a conversion this is a ground up rmc specifically their single rail coaster model so we're not thinking of a ground up rmc hybrid or wooden roller coaster we're talking about the single rail inline trains i'm adding perhaps you know, this is a park that got, that does clones, and they do them seemingly well. Maybe this is where we see a clone of Wonder Woman down at Six Flags Fiesta, Te- Fiesta Texas, and Railblazer over at California's Great America. Yeah, those are definitely coasters that look amazing. They're at a relatively small footprint. They have such tight twists and turns and dives. They look incredibly intense, and... I think if you were to add a single rail coaster to Six Flags America, it would be the number one coaster at the park. Yeah, and I only hear great things about these. I know capacity isn't the greatest, um, but the ride experience is so short, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's so intense. They pack so much into those little single rail coasters. Um, You know, the only reason I see maybe this not happening is you have a custom designed single rail coming to Six Flags Great Adventure only about three hours away. Um, That said, that's still a pretty lengthy drive, and maybe most folks in that area wouldn't want to drive that far just to go to, quote, another Six Flags park. So that is also on our wish list. Then we get to thinking about something that could operate for four seasons of thrills. A lot of Six Flags parks have added this particular addition that I'm about to mention in recent years, and that is Justice League Battle for Metropolis, It is a very nice, interactive dark ride uh, made by the Sally Corporation. They do great work. Um, I think we've seen this in St. Louis, in Dallas, in uh, Magic Mountain, in L.A. Um, Maybe, oh, we also have it in Great Adventure, I'm pretty sure. So it is in New Jersey, relatively close, but it's a popular indoor attraction, and I don't think that... Cloning that would necessarily be a bad thing uh, down the road in Maryland now. Uh, That's something that would be potentially open for winter events as well. Um, So I think it's definitely something that I might want to add to Six Flags America too. And the building themselves, they look impressive too. And on the counter of what you were just saying, even in the summer, it's an air conditioning building to go into. Yep, that's another good point. I I hadn't considered that, but that is correct. It's... um, some time out of the sun, out of the heat, so that's definitely nice. There's also another thing that was added to another Six Flags Park recently, and that is a pneumatic air launched roller coaster. Well, I guess pneumatic air is redundant, but a pneumatically launched roller coaster using that compressed air to have a super fast acceleration 
in the in the form of Max Force added to Six Flags Great America in 2019, I believe it was. Yes. Yep. Um, it's a, an incredibly fast acceleration. Fastest there in the world. Nothing like it. Oh, fastest in the world. That doesn't surprise me. For, for acceleration, um, yep. It's a super intense. Something that if were if it were added to Six Flags America would definitely be uh, the king of all coasters there. Uh, would rule the roost and any other um, cliches that I could think of, but not sure if it's realistic, but it's something that's on our wish list. Another thing, now we're getting into really rounding out the park experience, maybe some things that we would add to appeal to all sorts of people, would be a large indoor eatery, uh, maybe similar to Das Festhaus in Busch Gardens Williamsburg, or even Heritage Hall in Carowinds. This is a a large indoor eating space, maybe with different offerings and a sort of a food court style. Uh, probably going to have a stage for entertainment in there as well. Uh, maybe even have some indoor space that could be a marketplace, maybe similar to what Silver Dollar City does, where they have a lot of indoor spaces near pathways that are changed over between the different seasons um, that really complement the seasonal offerings of the park. I would love for Six Flags America to have that. Yeah, you have also a beer garden element as well, too, that you could possibly add, and you'd be competing with Williamsburg, you know, just right down the highway. Well, right down the highway, maybe <laughs> three to four hours with traffic. <laughs> um, another thing, I had mentioned it in my must-dos, it's adding an all-ride, dark ride, or flume, something that everybody, from the baby to the grandparent, can ride and have a good time. And that could maybe be just like a, a slow-moving flume ride or a slow-moving dark ride themed to Garfield or the Looney Tunes. Uh, not, an, not a record-breaking coaster or attraction, but something that's going to put a smile on the whole family's face. Yeah, absolutely. This is an opportunity for everybody to ride together. And, uh, you know, when you have a, a small child, especially a baby, you know, it's hard to take them to uh, a theme park and... I feel like for a lot of parents, they might just say, well, we'll set this year out. Definitely a way to get uh, the younger ones into the park uh, sooner and also get you in the park as well with them. Six Flags America also has a train, uh, which really goes out there into the wilderness. I mean, Six Flags America has so much land. If you were to look at a satellite image, uh, it has a train station. I think it's in the New Orleans section, the Mardi Gras section of the park, and then it goes past Gotham City, past some of the new additions, and then into the wilderness, where it then has another station in their catered event group sales area, um, where they have lots of different picnic pavilions for however many group sales and picnics, events that they have there, corporate events, birthday parties, reunions, all of that sort of thing. They have a train station that goes to it, and that's something that I haven't encountered at any other amusement park to have such creative integration of an attraction in group sales space, but they're clearly doing something right. If they have that many picnic pavilions there, they probably do uh, relatively big business compared to maybe what other parks do across the country. Uh, but that train, for example, that's an all-ride attraction. Anybody can ride it. So if they were to add a story to that train or maybe even uh, cut out figures to the train and narration or whatever in the, in the sort of underutilized sections of the train's layout, 
I think that could be something that would really improve the park as a whole. Totally agree with that. And I think the holiday thing is something else to think about with, you know, being able to change the show and it's always different. And there are parks that do this well. Maybe it's Six Flags' turn. Now, I know this next item we have uh, holds a special place in your heart. And anytime I see this ride get listed, um, I get excited for you specifically, Chris, because I've not been on one of these, but mm-hmm. I know you absolutely love them. And that's the Zamperla Air Race. Yes, it's my favorite kind of flat ride. Um, Six Flags Fiesta Texas is uh, just about ready to open their Zamperla Air Race attraction. Uh, It's masterfully decorated and themed to have a steampunk design, and I think they're calling it Daredevil Dive, but it looks amazing at Six Flags Fiesta Texas. It's always such a visual feature of the park whenever it's added to something. Um, And I think that it would be great at Six Flags America because I think any park could stand to benefit from having a Zamperla air race in its offerings. Well, Well, sticking with Zamperla, there are several parks out there that buy in bulk. When I say buy in bulk, they buy a lot of flat rides at once. Um, sometimes they're the little spinning flat rides that go in a circle. Sometimes it's the disco, which is sort of a, a half pipe that spins as well. It's a great, fun little ride. Um, and maybe even a little Zamperla family coaster as well. Some parks that come to mind that have bought these rides in bulk and really get the Zamperla, uh, mass discount. <laughs> I think they, there has to be some sort of discount for getting so many of these rides at once. Uh, but there is Silver Dollar City, the Grand Exposition area. Uh, what What's the name of that land, DJ? Grand Exposition, you're right, the Grand Exposition. You also have Dollywood, you have uh, Wildwood Grove. The County Fair area. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wildwood Grove and the County mm-hmm. Fair area in um, Dollywood. I think they're... They both have a bunch of Zamperla attractions mm-hmm. as I well. I think also uh, um, some of the Planet Snoopies. I, I know, uh, I think Worlds of Fun did this mm-hmm. when they redid Camp Snoopy. Their Planet Snoopy, if there weren't uh, some reskinned rides, the all new ones were all Zamperla, I believe. Yep, same with King's Dominion as well. Uh, Coney Island, Luna Park there um, is sort of a Zamperla showplace because it is managed by a Zamperla company and, as well. So all of the new Zamperla attractions are featured there. Uh, Owa as well, down in uh, Alabama. Yes. That's another one. They even added Zamperla's largest roller coaster that they offer, their Rolling Thunder model, or the Thunderbolt. Um, they have that in addition to all the other new Zamperla flat rides. So they clearly have done this at several parks around the country. Um, and feasibly, some degree of this, I'd like to see that added to Six Flags America because that can add a lot of capacity. If you have a lot of little flat rides in one area, that's a really nice family area that, for the most part, a lot of the family can ride together. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And another ride that the family can ride together, and I feel like we don't have many of these in the United States. I think there might be two. I know for sure there's one. I'm sure there's a second one out there somewhere. Um, but you see them more in Europe and Asia, I feel like. It's the Vacoma family boomerang. Now, the boomerang concept, you may have been on one of these rides before, dear listener. You're taken up about 100 feet backwards. You go through three inversions, up another spike slowly, and you drop backwards to do it all again. Vacoma recently, I think in the past 10 years, came out with the family boomerang concept, which is kind of the same thing. Go up backwards, do a sort of roller coaster course, 
then go up a forward spike and do it all again backwards, but with a family element. So there's no inversions, lower speeds around 20, 30 miles an hour, and you're just going through a couple of hills and some helices. Um, but I think it's a great opportunity for um, littler ones to experience their first roller coaster. And it's kind of, uh, you know, I have a kind of a soft spot for rides that are more than the wacky worm, let's say, or more than the dragon wagon, right? You, If you were a kid, you were five, six years old, and you got off this family boomerang, you would feel like you've accomplished something, and you would might want to ride something more uh, during the day or maybe the next year when you come back to the park. And I think the Vacoma family boomerang is a great way to get kids involved in kind of the environment of roller coasters. And really, it's a ride that you would feel good riding as a parent as well, or a grandparent, or a guardian, or whomever you might be, sibling. Um, you, you wouldn't feel like you're wasting your time riding it. Right. I think it's a relatively compact roller coaster. Um, it's sort of like that bridge coaster where it's not a kiddie coaster, but it's not quite big either. Um, to speak to what you said earlier, I don't think that we have one of these in North America, if I'm not mistaken. Um, there is one in Germany, in Fantasialand. There's one at Drayton Manor in the UK. Uh, there's one in Vietnam and then another one in France, I think. Um, but these are not t very common yet. Um, they have a, a theoretical hourly capacity of 720 guests carried um, in an hour, which is pretty high for a coaster at a regional park. Um, it seems like a, a nice, concise little coaster that isn't really going to break any records, but it is going to be unique, at least in North America. Yep, totally agree with that, and this could be the perfect spot to do it. We have one more little item here that uh, is a little bit different than the other items. Um, we do know that Space Jam 2 is coming out, and knowing that the park has the Looney Tunes existing license already, um, perhaps an opportunity to either have a standalone promotional event or promote a new area in the park or new ride with a Space Jam 2 um, promotional event, whether that's uh, giving out specific basketballs to maybe the 100th person in the gate or something similar to that, uh, maybe a NBA player is playing a three-point challenge with guests or horse, uh, something similar to that. I think this is a great idea, and I think it's a way for them to capitalize on the Looney Tunes existing license. However, there could be some in some uh, issues here with the NBA and their involvement, but I wondered what they could possibly get done here. Right. I, I think it's, it's star-crossed because of the pandemic and the release of Space Jam coming when it is. I think it's a summer release, but I know... <laughs> Like, I feel like it's impossible, but it just would have been amazing synergy if they were able to have one of these events where they get an NBA player to start to play the three-point challenge with guests or have, like, a VIP experience where they could sell experience packages with a meet-and-greet with a, either a, a Looney Tune character and or a, an NBA player. And I just feel like that would have been amazing, and I, I feel like we can put it on our wish list because it is something that is out there, but it would have been amazing if it were possible. And I'm really glad we just got to talk about it for the little time that we did. Well, I think it's time. We're going to do our five-year plan 
this is what we would do if we were given the control. Now, obviously, 2021, that's predetermined for us. We can't really add much. If we were to add something, it would be a, more of a soft experience, not a capital expenditure by any means. But we're going to jump from 2021, and we're going to end up, up all the way at 2025. Uh, historically, we kind of get a little uh, argumentative here, but that's okay. Chris and I are really good friends, and we're just doing this for the fun. Uh, you at home, though, dear listener, get to sit back, relax, and listen to what we would do starting in 2022. Now, who knows? We start out with five years in the future, but DJ, if we're rolling, let's not stop it. Let's go for 15. Let's go for 20. This will easily be our longest <laughs> podcast episode. We are shooting for six and a half hours. Okay, so listener, I hope you're buckled up. Here we go. So 2021, you said it, the Zamperla Discovery. DJ, for 2022, it will have been... Eight-ish years since our last roller coaster in the form of Rage and Cajun, I think we need to open up our new management of strategic planning of Six Flags America with a splash. What do you think about that, DJ? I think you're right on. I think it's it's time to come out of 2021 being kind of the recovery year, you could call it, and 2022 setting our heights on something a bit bigger. I want to put a custom roller coaster out there, and I think I want it to be. Well, I don't know what I want it to be. Talk to me, DJ. I think. What coaster should we make? I think we say goodbye at the end of 2021 to Nightwing, or Batwing, sorry. Batwing. Batwing. Different okay. superhero. Um, <laughs> I think we say bye to Batwing. Um, we've seen it say bye bye at. To Firehawk at Kings Island. Um, there's only going to be one remaining in the U.S., I believe, um, after this one would be gone. Um, I think it's time to do something else. And I think this is an incredible opportunity to, you know, I'm going to say, let's go with the pneumatic launch coaster. And here's why I'm saying that. We have Pantheon opening at Busch Gardens Williamsburg, uh, hopefully this year in 2021. This will be a stark contrast to that ride with a faster acceleration. They can already beat that record um, with the faster acceleration, um, with a kind of a closer park. Um, I feel like you're not competing with any other launch coasters other than maybe Storm Runner at Hershey Park. When you think of the parks around, you do have the granddaddy of them all, King Dakar at Great Adventure. Um, but as we know, um, King Dakar being the tallest roller coaster in the world and one of the fastest. Uh, the ride experience isn't really that repeatable on, on those rides, and I constantly hear people saying Top Thrill Dragster's better. Um, so I think we go for a pneumatic-launched coaster, um, something that will break a record. It doesn't have to be a world record, um, but maybe something that can break a record in their region, perhaps. They like to do those sorts of things where they kind of nitpick at what the record is, so maybe we get kind of pinpointed there. Fastest acceleration on the eastern coast of the United States or something like that. The acceleration itself is fast enough to really be better than King Dakka in a way. It beats Pantheon for sure, being pneumatically launched and not magnetically launched. Um, th I think that's a great place to go. I, I, here's why I didn't say single rail coaster. You have one literally opening at Great Adventure that was probably going to be a better ride experience. Um, and I don't want to say Roar just because I feel like it's too soon. I still feel like 2022 is too soon to do that. Okay. Well, riddle me this, Batman. Where in the park are we going to put it? I think it goes... There's a lot of land. Mm -hmm. There's a mm -hmm. lot of choices, but 
where are we going to put it? I think it would be... I think this is how you effectively use the the Batwing area. I think it goes where Batwing is now. I think you figure out how to do some sort of out-and-back layout, uh, maybe an inversion here or there, um, that moves the coaster towards the front of the park. So as I'm parking, as I'm walking up to the entrance, I see that ride, this new ride, and say, oh my goodness, what is that? And it causes me, it forces me to go all the way to the back of the park because right now with the small footprint with Batwing and with having all the trees around it, I'm only going to go back there if I'm going towards Superman. I might not even realize it. Now it's up in front. Sure, I can see the height of Superman. I want to do that, obviously. But now I have this track that's right in front of me in the front entrance, similar to how Carowinds uh, and I believe, what's the other Cedar Fair Park? Cedar Point. Um, they also do this where they have a ride with any new new ride that they've had. It's right in the front. It's the first thing you see, and it's really a statement piece. Okay. Um, I will say with Superman, uh, that is, you can see the lift hill from the road, but you can't really see much else from the park. I mean, when you're entering the park in the parking lot, the first things you do see are all the slides and the, the tornado slide as well. So I think it would be helpful to put another bit of visual intrigue out there. If we still put the entrance in the station, maybe between where the existing Batwing station is and the Superman station, let's see. Is that what you were thinking? I'm thinking of putting the station pretty close. I mean, still use the infrastructure you have there. Maybe you could even recycle the station building. I'm thinking the ride would somehow, and you're going to have to go through a lot of trees, I would think, um, but it's somehow just moving its way up to be right by that, right by the water park or close to the parking lot somehow. Um, the parking lot's even further out. But I'm just knowing that, you know, I think max force is almost 100 miles an hour or something like that. Uh, it's not the fastest, but it's still pretty dang fast. And that acceleration is the record breaker there. But how can we effectively, with an out and back layout, just get rid of some of these trees? And I'm sure they love their trees at this park, it seems like. Then again, there's a lot of concrete plazas and that sort of thing. But how can we get the ride itself to get up to the front of the park towards the entrance and do some sort of spectacular Immelman loop or some turnaround element that would make folks at the ticket windows and pulling up as they get closer to that ticket window think, oh, I've got to ride that. Where is that? The thing about your idea is... If we were to start a coaster by Superman and Batwing, maybe even using Batwing's old station, and then having it go maybe over that middle helix of Superman, around Roar, and then maybe even around Mind Eraser, is I'm pretty sure that would be one of the longest roller coasters in the world. I don't know if... I think that would just be too expensive. I think you're probably right. I was just, Batwing is just in such a weird place, and I, I, I'm wondering how a ride, I imagine you spend all this money on a ride, how do you get people back into that corner of the park? Hmm. Or maybe Batwing is gone, and we're done with that venture for now. Unless we, you know, we snaked around and began with putting this maybe where the river raft adventure is, um, putting it there... And then that is opening a new pathway similar to what they've done with Mardi Gras. Would that pathway be going around Roar? 
I would think it would have to. Or right beside it, potentially. Let's see. Removing Renegade Rapids and... This is tough. Because I do want that front gate visual intrigue. But the front of the park is a lot more congested and busy and built out, frankly, than a lot of the rest of the park. Hmm. I don't know if we want to get rid of Roar right now, but... I guess it could be a good opportunity to do so. I mean, we know that the RMC that they've done in California on their Roar isn't the best um, out of all the RMCs. would be a great ride, um, but we're already adding something that's that's pretty intense. Maybe getting rid of that and doing a sort of a streamlined experience with the new coaster would, again, open an opportunity to connect some paths um, from where Roar is now to Superman uh, and to the, uh, the kids' area there. Um, maybe that's what we do. That seems to make sense to me, at least. Okay, so what if we, instead of removing Batwing, Batwing we are removing Roar. We're not going to arm see it. We're just going to remove it. And then we'll put that pneumatically launched roller coaster. Let's see, are we making a new section or a new extension of an existing section in the place of Roar, where we then have the entrance plaza for this new launch coaster that we're building? I think this is a. I think it's a great opportunity to use the steampunk theming that a few of the Six Flags parks are already capitalizing on. Oh, this could be uh, the beginning of a steampunk section. You mean scream punk? I think that's what they oh, call yes, it. Oh yes, that's right. Punk. You're right, right. Scream punk. Okay. I'm sorry. Sorry, everyone. That that makes sense to me. I think you could also. Um, Kind of retheme Firebird if you wanted to. I'm not really retheme it, but, <laughs> but but maybe just add a. I don't know. It's kind of got the color scheme there already. Maybe work the story somehow to make it fit. But now we have the opportunity to build on that. We've got our pneumatic uh, launched coaster, which could be very steampunkish. Yeah. Um, add some fog machines to that launch, um, and then we're able to hopefully sneak our way to the front entrance entrance or at least have a kind of a new standout experience there uh let me talk you down from that with going to the front entrance let me instead say we have the station and the start of the coaster pretty close to this new section that we're building up near firebird and between that and renegade rapids but we have some sort of top hat or a version of a top hat close to the rest of the park where we do have that what Walt Disney called a weenie to bring people in mm. to this section of the park but then the rest of the ride maybe a few more twists turns and hills is out over that middle helix of Superman ride of steel and then it turns around and comes back and that's the ride because we do have some field area there um, that doesn't have a lot of trees already, and it would feasibly potentially be easier to build out over there than to go into the very crowded front of the park. Um, what do you think about that? You know, I really like that. Um, maybe it's the form of, maybe this is our record too, if we can't get fastest acceleration, how do you feel about maybe tallest inversion or something like that, a very large loop like full throttle, for instance? Okay. 
I think, if I'm not mistaken, the current record for that is 175, 180. Does that sound right? That sounds right. I don't think we're at 200. I believe it's on a mock ride, actually. Right. I mean, Gatekeeper took it for a while. It was just Volcano the Blast Coaster at around 155 feet. And then Gatekeeper took it. And then the Premier Ride Skyrocket 2 models were up there as well. Uh, well, Gatekeeper is 170. But um, then you did have that mock roller coaster in China that had a 175 foot vertical loop, if that sounds right. I think that's right, because I think the height on the ride itself was like right at 200 feet. Right, so maybe we go after tallest inversion. Let me make note of that. Tallest inversion, because I think you kind of already have that top hat. Like you said, like you, you can't really see Superman that well, but you do see the tallest hill. I think you've already got that uh, kind of that box checkmarked. Okay. Um, I will say this now puts uh, Joker's Jinx kind of in an awkward situation. How so? Well, we have a, a launched coaster, um, not super close in proximity, but arguably much more intense, um, albeit probably a shorter ride experience. Um, you know, I love Joker's Jinx, though, and I say that because I've been on two of the Flight of Fears. I, I love those rides, and this is essentially the same thing just outside. Um, would, I, it just kind of seems like it might be overshadowed by this huge pneumatic launched coaster, but... Uh, you know, it is what it is, I suppose. Yeah, I think that uh, two launch coasters could coexist at Six Flags America. Um, sorry to roar, but it was standing in the way of progress. It really was. Well, is that, is that our 2022 then? Yeah, I think that's 2022. We've already added one coaster, made that splash in the form of a custom ride at Six Flags America. We lost one coaster too, but I think it needed to happen. Let's move on to 2023. This is pretty easy for me, if I can take the lead on this one sure, again. Sure, go ahead. I think 2023, since we've had such a huge expenditure in 2022, um, I think this is where we easily add um, some sort of indoor eatery. Um, and I think, hear me out here, um, I'm looking at a location for it. How do you feel about the um, the existing stunt stage um, over in Gotham? Is that too big of an area? And also, is that too far away from all of the action? Let me pull up the satellite image. The only reason I'm hesitating of saying that is because I, I think we're going to almost with certainty going to put in the Battle for Metropolis ride in here and I think that would be also a great place for it to go. Yeah, you mentioned it. That is Gotham City right there. But I also like the idea of an indoor superhero eatery that serves great food. So not only does the food taste good, uh, but kids will want to go to it because it's branded to all of these great IPs that they love. What if we stayed in the Screen Punk district? Okay, yeah, that, that makes more sense to, to move that out and to really expand on that. Yeah, to really build out the Screen Punk I like that. district. Because I, I do think that this wouldn't prevent us from having the DC Comics properties in the eateries. Like, oh, it's uh, Cyborg's Chicken Strips or something like that. Um, just because right, it's outside right, of right, God. Right. Like, we see that with... Joker's Jinx and Wonder Woman and Superman and Batman, they're not in Gotham City proper, but they're 
DC properties. So I don't think that'll limit us. I think, in fact, I think the more parts of the park that we have DC theming, the better. <laughs> when it comes to utilizing these properties to the fullest, um, but I do think that really building out that Screampunk district would help us because sometime in the future, I want to do the Zamperla flat ride treatment. And I want to do it in place of Mind Eraser and or Renegade Rapids to really create a loop there. I think that's a great compromise. I, I think having this, the Screampunk themed restaurant, uh, you might even be able to add some sort of, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, not false, that's the wrong word, but kind of a higher tiered dining experience from using the intricate steampunk theming and the the the, the scenery and the uh, sculptures and, 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 and the sort of things that that theme brings about. Yeah, this is going to be a place that people can get those wild shakes that have, like, everything and a bag of chips <laughs> on top of yes. the shake that people take pictures of. Sort of like Toothsome at including a real bag of chips (laughs) yeah maybe that's going to be a trademark six flags america thing uh to really (laughs) set that apart but i do think that putting this uh sort of replacement or proxy for das festhaus or heritage hall or the festhaus i think king's island has one too i think that's going to allow the park to really have more of a presence for its winter events and so I think that's why I, I we think, should do that. I think, too, while you're on this, just one more thing. I think we could fit it in to 2023. As part of that building out, we've got a new indoor venue. Um, what if this new area that connects from Gotham to where Roar was, the new steampunk district, also has some sort of LED light experience similar to Cedar Fair used to do Snoopy's Hot Summer Lights or something like that? Snoopy's Starlight um, Spectacular? Yes, um, I think I think Worlds of Fun had a different name for it. I can't remember what it was. Um, I've been to that one in Cedar Points. I really enjoyed that. A year-round light display that then does change for holiday in the park, let's say. Uh, something that's still marketable towards the summer. Check out this new cool thing um, that we can then convert over to Hallow Scream and then, of course, over to uh, Holiday in the Park. Yeah, I like that. Um when you mentioned that, something that came to mind was uh, the LED light package that was added to both Kings Island and Kings Dominion along their international street sections of the parks, respectively, uh, where they do have lots of... It's sort of like a, a version of a Main Street USA, where it's a straight pathway, fountains in the middle in this case, and shops on the outside of the path. Um, pretty much every surface of those buildings is bathed in color-changing LED lights that they can both use maybe more calm lighting during regular operation, but when they do Grand Carnival or even Winterfest, they can really play around with those lights and synchronize them to the music. Absolutely. I think we're really uh, hitting the nail on the head on this one. Let's let's pin it with this LED light experience, the steampunk-themed experience, maybe some... Uh, diff- like some, some songs that are playing, some familiar songs, but maybe a steampunk flair to them. And I think that's a great way to close out our 2023 editions. Okay. So now, 2024, 
I still don't think that we can put anything big and expensive there yet. I just don't feel like we're there yet. What would you suggest at this point? Well, at some point, I do want to do the Zamperla flat ride package, but that's probably a lot of money when you really get into adding all of these flat rides. Hmm. I'm wondering what we can do to still have something to put on a souvenir cup, as is required, but isn't going to break the bank. Dare we go to the water park? I'd be willing to hear your water park uh, additions. Now, this is something that we didn't put on the wish list, and we also didn't put anything on the chopping block, because it's a relatively compact water park in terms of acreage, especially considering all of the land that Six Flags America sits on. They're sort of bordered between the hard park with Mind Eraser and the rest of the water park. I think there's a bit of a ravine there, so I wouldn't necessarily want to build between that. I would want to keep that tree uh, barrier between Coyote Creek and Hurricane Harbor. So, But maybe, though, we build into some of the overflow parking lot that uh, doesn't look like it's maybe used as often as the parking lot that is by the main entrance. Do you see where I'm talking about, DJ? It almost looks like gravel. Yeah, it's funny you bring that up, actually, because... Yep, I, it's funny you bring that up. I, I've been thinking about that in the back of my mind, like, huh, that seems like something that probably is hardly used at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. That makes sense to me. They have a lot of parking areas, it looks like, and if they really needed to, they could probably dig out some of the greenery. Like, they have grass medians between parking lot rows in the probably primary parking lot. So they could increase the capacity mm-hmm. there. That would be an expense, but I don't. let's see if we need to do that. But if we wanted to really expand Hurricane Harbor, maybe add another slide complex tower with, let's say, four slides, maybe including Dropbox slides. I'm trying to look to see if they already have Dropbox slides. I think I, they do. I figured that's what Bonsai Pipeline was, but... Yeah, that's what, it looks like they do have the Dropbox slides already, so maybe not those, but... Hmm, dare we say Water Coaster, or is that too much? I think that's too much, DJ. I think Water Coaster isn't too... I don't think that's too out of the ordinary, or too out of, you know, what, what we would be thinking. I, I, I think that's possible, and I think that sliver there is, is a great place to put it where you're talking about. Uh, again, something you would also probably see from pulling up from the road or uh, being at the ticket counter. So are we thinking maybe behind Tornado and the aquatic playground? Uh, maybe taking out a few trees, but for the most part utilizing the green area between the tree line along the parking lot and Wahoo River? Yes, I think that's probably the best place to do it, to be honest with you. Um, it would be probably an out-and-back style thing as well here. Um, I could definitely see a cool helix or a turnaround being involved here. Um, maybe even the potential to have uh, the East Coast only launching water coaster, perhaps. Okay, yeah, I like that. I think I'm thinking Hershey of records, Park. I don't think height is what we're going for. You could say even like most tunnels, perhaps, but 
Yeah, who really cares about that? I think Hershey Park has a water coaster now in their boardwalk. I thought they had, like, a new mat racer. If only we had the internet to confirm it, but... If only we do. I'm looking (laughs) right now. Yep, Breaker's Edge. So they do have a water coaster. Well, that doesn't mean that we can't have a water coaster. We just need to make it better. Right, they do have, uh, you you know, when we talk about launch, um, a lot of these, I think Holiday World has the true launch experience. Like, yes, they launch themselves up the hill. That's how they go uphill with magnetic induction or spray nozzles. I believe Breaker's Edge uses spray nozzles. Um, But this would be on the ground, you know, an acceleration in your tube to start out the experience similar to uh, the new water coaster at Holiday World. Okay, so that'll be some uniqueness that we can push. I like that. Yeah, because I don't know what what else the record would be or the draw would be. Um, A link that just wouldn't happen. There's not enough land there. I don't think there's the capital either to spend on it. And height, no way. Um, Again, something like tunnels, eh, people don't really care. I know they come up with records for like, oh, most turnarounds on a water coaster or something. You know, this would be something that you could easily say... This is what it does. Here's the acceleration. Here's video of it. Come and ride it. Yeah, I like that. But DJ, I think we spent more money in 2024 than we were initially hoping for. And I think 2025 has got to be a year that we cool the jets on the spending a little bit. Well, Chris, I think... You tell me. I don't know how expensive it is. I think this is the year for the battle for Metropolis. I know you want the air race in there. Um, I know you want the flats. The flats might be doable. But it's it's tough because there's a lot of stuff that we want for Six Flags America to really build it out, but only so many years. Like, we're already in 2025. I think it's safe to say we're going to go past five years because we've got a lot of plans, DJ. A lot of plans. <laughs> we definitely do. Well, let me say, though. Let me float this idea by you. It's not something that we put in any of our wish lists or tentative ideas for Six Flags America, but it's something that has been done at another Six Flags park as late as 2019. They had a tie-in at Six Flags Magic Mountain. Um, This was a maze that they had that tied in with the release of a horror movie called Hellfest. They were sort of taking the idea of what Halloween Horror Nights does in using actual movie properties for their ideas in a lot of cases, they were doing that with one maze called Hellfest at Magic Mountain. Were you aware of that, DJ? I did not know the partnership. I knew about that movie. I'm also trying to figure out, because I know the premise of the movie is basically, it's like a theme park that kills you. Why would a theme park ever want to associate itself with a movie like that? Oh, I wasn't aware that that was the premise. That's interesting. Um, I'm hmm. I'm pretty... I, I could be wrong. I'm almost certain that's the premise. I, again, could be... Oh, here we go. On Halloween night, three young women and their respective boyfriends head to Hellfest, a ghoulish traveling carnival that features a labyrinth of rides, games, and mazes. They soon face a bloody night of terror when a masked serial killer turns the horror theme park into his own personal playground. Okay, so maybe we don't bring that tie-in back. But what I'm thinking is... (laughs) 
the way that we can sort of take a year off in 2025 when it comes to spending is if we push a revamped Hollow Fest, maybe even give it a new name for our Halloween event, and we have a maze that ties in with the release of some horror movie during that fall season so that we get that tie-in. We, I mean, it'd probably be some Warner Brothers movie. They already do business with Six Flags as a whole, so maybe a Warner Brothers horror property that's coming out with the movie that season, we get a maze that ties into it, and that is the headlining addition for a revamped Halloween event. Yeah, that, that could make sense to me. Almost positive it would be something in the Conjuring universe because that's a Warner Brothers movie and they just keep making them. Yeah, they um, do. <laughs> if that's if you didn't know, dear listener, that's my favorite genre of movie or horror movies. Um, I, I feel like they'll probably be making them in 2025, so I think that would be pretty cool. Okay, so let me write this down in the outline. A revamped vamp vampire ooh, Halloween event with uh, a new maze tied to the release of a big Warner Brothers horror release. Yep, I think that's right on. And that way we can save some money in 2025 because we've been spending and spending. (laughs) 2026. Here's what I want to do, DJ. Let me see if you agree. I want to do the Zamperla flat rides, including the air race. What do you think of that? You know, I like that. The question for you would be, A, do they open at the same time? B, are they in the same area? Where are they going? I'm assuming it's going to round out our Steam Screampunk section? Or do you have something else in mind? Well, here's what I was, like... I want to get rid of Mind Eraser at some point. <laughs> and I think Renegade Rapids is also not long for this world. Mm-hmm. So what do you think of closing Mind Eraser and Renegade Rapids at some point. I mean, for all we know, Renegade Rapids might already be closed in real life, but creating that loop between the end of Coyote Creek and the end of our Screampunk district with our new launch coaster, creating that pathway loop there and seeding that land with a bunch of uh, flat rides. I think that's an excellent idea, and maybe this land also connects. We do have the uh, the miniature railway there. You have to think about, but maybe that is also connecting uh, that Zamperla area with kind of the kind of bigger rides to the uh, Whistle Stop area with the extremely small rides. Oh, are you thinking of connecting that pathway all the way up to? Whistle Stop Park. I think that's doable. Right around the turnaround of Wild One. Yeah, that was kind of my idea, connecting it there, and then that Scream Punk is kind of going all the way to the the Ride of Steel and kind of rounding that out as a way that now Whistle Stop is kind of a central hub kind of uh, to that area. And now you can easily be at Whistle Stop. You can upgrade and go a little bit higher to the Zamperla rides. Joker's Jinx is right there. Uh, you're connected to the other Superman and Batwing that's still around. <laughs> yes. Um, but uh, And then the new launch coaster, of course, is kind of the precipice of that as well. Yeah, so that would really make Superman, Batwing, and that side of the park a lot less isolated. I like that. Let me, let me write that down before we forget that. And I think, tell me if I'm wrong, 
I probably am on this. Mind Eraser is kind of uh, closing itself in a way. The ridership, I would think, would have to go down with this great launch coaster right there. You're connected to the bigger rides. Um, with it being in the corner, kind of secluded, maybe people aren't even going over there as much as they used to to ride it because it's just not as impressive. Yeah, I mean, I kind of have a personal vendetta against Mind Eraser. It's just not my favorite coaster. Um, like, let's say... In 2023, another thing that we do is quietly remove Renegade Rapids. Mm -hmm. In 2025, remove Mind Eraser. Yeah. We can have a last ride event for people that need to ride it. I mean, people like to be sentimental, um, even with coasters that maybe didn't have incredible numbers when it comes to ridership. If that coaster is announced as closing, uh, it's going to have some big lines for the rest of the year, it seems like. Um, we can even sell Mind Eraser <laughs> yep, merchandise. Maybe. Yeah, merchandise, and you have that nostalgia factor of, you know, I wrote it 20 years ago or whatever to get my last ride on it. Yeah, the t-shirt will read, I had my mind erased on Mind Eraser. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> okay, so 2026... Nice. We get that Zamperla Flat Rides package. We are going to be saving some money when it comes to um, labor costs in terms of operators at Renegade Rapids and Mind Eraser. So we're saving a little bit of money in the years ahead of this. So I think I'm confident enough to spend some money on this Flat Ride package. And I'm specifically thinking of maybe five to seven new Flat Rides. Does that sound like too much? No, I don't think so at all. I mean, we've talked about other parks adding 10 at one time. I think that's a pretty good amount. I would say more on the 7 range, to be honest with you. Okay, so let's see. We'll have 5 to 7, maybe closer to 7 new flat rides, including the Air Race as sort of maybe even another anchor in the Scream Punk District. But we'll also add some of the rides that are maybe more typical of... Planet Snoopy at a lot of state of fair parks like the Space Buggies and there's a ride at Coney Island in Luna Park. It's like you're riding on a kite and it's still a circular flat ride, but you go up and down and it looks great. I think that we could add a version of that ride into the end of Coyote Creek, maybe with one or two more rides towards the end of that area there as we curve that up towards the Scream Punk District. I think this okay. is coming together nicely. Yeah, I think I can agree with you on that. I, I think we've got a nice plan here. We're, now we're at, well, how many years is this? This is one, two... This will be our sixth year coming up with 2027. Wow. And who knows what the Six Flags Ride Edition <laughs> trends will look like there. But this is what we have now. They've given us the keys to the car. So we're just doing what we want to do with some... With some um, angle towards realism, but we also do what we want. I think that's a nice way to put it. That's a great way to put it. And maybe, hear, hear me out, 2027 could be our capstone for this plan of park. Uh, what would be our last send-off here? 2027, knowing that uh, this will be our last year. We're stepping down as uh, co-CEO uh, this year. It's going to be our last claim to fame. We're going to start the book deal the year after in 2028. Going to start doing those appearances, doing some seminars. What are we going to do? 
Well, DJ, here's where it gets difficult. If we look at our wish list, there's a lot of things that I want to do, but we just don't have the years for it. Like there's the Justice League ride that we could put in. There is the all ride, dark ride or log flume, not a log flume, but a flume ride that's themed to Looney Tunes that we could put in. Or maybe Mm -hmm. even building up the scenery around the train or the Vacoma family boomerang. We can't do all those in one year, but DJ, (laughs) the road's not taken, literally. That's true. That's true. I, you know, I think I'm going to jump in here and start off and, and say this is when we need to bring in Battle for Metropolis. That being said, I don't know if it's going to be so aged at that point. Well, this six years from now. Yeah, this is going to be nine to ten years after the last Battle for Metropolis installation at another Six Flags park. Maybe this is, we could say, untitled Dark Ride. We're going to do the market research in 2025, 2026 to ensure that this ride makes sense. People are still relating to these characters. Um, Or maybe we can still use the characters, but the story does need to be reworked. And it could even be a model for remaining Six Flags parks or even a way to um, update existing installations where Battle for Metropolis already exists. Right. So it's going to be the, the technological successor to Justice League Battle for Metropolis. Yes. Do you think we need an interactive element? Here's the trade-off, I think, when I usually think of dark rides with an interactive element. When dark rides don't have a gun to shoot or something like that, I feel like you pay more attention to what's going on around you. As opposed to an interactive element... The riders are, on average, more engaged in what's in what they're doing. They're participating in the story, but they're just sort of blasting. And I know that might contribute to guest satisfaction, uh, but I don't know. Yes, I think if you remove that element too, we're kind of uh, we're getting at that. I guess the shooting wouldn't matter. I was going to say maybe this allows uh, for. Uh, us to have that all-right attraction where it doesn't matter your age on that one. Okay, so maybe then with this we get two birds with one stone. We get that dark ride and we get that all-right element that everybody can ride as a whole family. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so right now I have Untitled Dark Ride, Story, TBD, (laughs) Technology, TBD, that means to be determined, dear listener. But it's going to be right, right. a technological successor to the Justice League Battle for Metropolis Dark Ride. Um, and it's going to be an all-ride attraction that everybody can ride from the babies in the arms to the grandparents. The whole family is coming to Six Flags America, so there's there's got to be stuff that the whole family can do together other than seeing a stunt show or eating chicken fingers. Or riding the train, right? And and we'll determine later on, we'll determine later on what that technology is, what makes sense uh, as we do the appropriate research, and we understand what's really resonating with folks at that time. Yeah, I feel like this is as far as we should take it right now. What do you say? I think that's good, especially for a park that, again, I've never been to. I know about it. I've been close to it physically, but just uh, 
you know, never, never had the chance to do, actually do it. So, well, I don't know about you, yeah. but I just I'm looking at the wish list and saying, oh, I wish I could have added that and that and that. But money, DJ, money and time and space yes. and labor, we can't add everything we want. And I need to keep reminding myself that. And I think you're spot on with time too, because. Once we get, you know, we're in 2027, some of these things might have a better version or won't be as relevant at all. Yeah. Especially evident with this dark ride experience. Something that surprises me. Batwing survived and Blizzard River survived. <laughs> I mean, live and let live, I guess. But I had a, I had some energy against the Penguin's Blizzard River, but, you know, we just... We never got around to removing it. And I think well, that's how the cookie crumbles sometimes. You know, we will we will scrap as we get closer, I think. We'll scrap as we get closer and need more capital, perhaps. And then we'll think about what could be uh, taking its place. Yeah, this, this uh, many-year plan that we have for Six Flags America is by no means written in stone. I feel like two or three years in, we could definitely revisit some of our later ideas. If there's a fancy new coaster model out there, maybe that's what we want to put in instead of a dark ride. Who knows? Very true. Who knows? Absolutely. So, as we wind down, let's take it back up from 2021 and break down what we would do if we owned Six Flags America. Absolutely. Starting in 2022. Is that where you want to start? Oh, wait, no. I guess we do have to start in 2021. We do have the Harley Quinn Spin Sanity Zamperla Discovery happening. We know that's that's already predetermined taking place at the former Sky Coaster. But we will be removing the Wooden Roller Coaster Roar in anticipation for 2022. Yeah, we might even have a Last Rider event that has t-shirts that say, The Roar is silenced or... The roar is muffled or something <laughs> like that. Something that we can sell merchandise for. 2022. This is where we make a splash. This is where we set the park apart from other parks in the Mid-Atlantic region. And we do that with a pneumatically launched roller coaster. We might try to go for the acceleration record about how fast we can get to our top speed. Maybe not. But this is going to be a launch coaster out and back that is going to be a part of a new section of Six Flags America called the Scream Punk District, sort of borrowing from what other Six Flags parks have done, uh, maybe around Twisted Colossus and Magic Mountain and Fiesta Texas maybe as well. I'm not sure if they call it Scream Punk, but sort of stealing that uh, Scream Punk, no, Steampunk is the real term, stealing the, the Scream, the, the Steampunk, aesthetic that we're borrowing from uh, but that launch coaster it's going to be out and back starting yes. in the district it's probably going to go over that middle helix of superman ride of steel into that field area uh, maybe do a quick turnaround some hills and bumps and twists and turns as it comes back to the station uh, but it's going to be a flashy new coaster maybe maybe we might go for the tallest inversion in the world uh, this would probably be possible by, if we're doing a top hat um, right after we launch, making it an inverted top hat, DJ. Maybe that's how we get that tallest inversion. Uh, but it's going to be 
the roller coaster that defines the decade for Six Flags America. It will be. And with a defining coaster for the decade <laughs> comes a large capital expense. And so in 2023, we're kind of pulling it back on the reins. We're still going to spend some money, of course, but with an expensive coaster like that, we can't do as much. So in 2023, we're adding a new indoor venue, uh, a food and beverage element. Uh, this will be uh, the largest food and beverage uh, location in the park. It's built out of the Scream Punk District. So we're moving past uh, where the new roller coaster is connecting from Roar all the way over to Superman uh, and that we will use further down the road. But here we're also going to uh, integrate a new LED lights show. And so that's going to change with the seasons. There'll be a summer show and uh, something to go with uh, the Hallow Fest they do as well as Holiday in the Park. Uh, but at the same time, we will be saying goodbye to Renegade Rapids. Yeah, so we will be losing that water ride, but also building with a mind for four seasons of thrills because that is what Six Flags America now offers. So we got to start building for that. That being said, <laughs> we are adding a water coaster in 2024. So take whatever I say with a grain of salt. <laughs> but we do need to throw a bone to <laughs> the water park, to Hurricane Harbor. That's what we'll be adding in 2024. It'll be built between Wahoo River, their sort of wave rider adventure river, and the parking lot to really add some visual intrigue there by the entrance of the entire property. As cars are driving up, they're going to see this big new structure in the water park to really uh, get people interested in that area because it's not a huge water park, but it's pretty compact and and they got some more slides, but they could always stand to have some more. And we'll differentiate this water coaster by adding a big launch element. Maybe have magnetic launches, maybe be the blaster, the water blaster launches. So we will have to see about that. Uh, but that's going to be what we do for the water park in 2024. And in 2025, focusing on those seasons, we're going to go into the, the Halloween event season that they have. And we're going to look at a new maze. Uh, Probably tied to the release of some big Warner Brother movie, maybe the, the Conjuring, for instance. Seems like they're always making a new Conjuring or something in that universe, so maybe it's something involved there. They already have a working relationship, Six Flags does, with Warner Brothers, so should be easy to perhaps license out one of the IPs for a new maze and really bring those movies to life. At the same time, we'll also be saying goodbye to Mind Eraser, and so that's kind of in a more secluded area of the park now, with Renegade Rapids gone and us moving our Scream Punk area towards Superman. Um, that being said, there will most likely be a last ride event, maybe even a last ride year, different events throughout the year commemorating the ride. Uh, probably some merchandise will sell as well, plenty of social media events too, uh, really making sure that everyone says goodbye to the ride and that it, that it goes out with a bang. Uh, last time to ride, what is Chris's favorite roller coaster? Yeah, I'm going to have to be first in line for that last ride event. <laughs> you sound very enthused. Oh yeah, it's going to be great. But moving on to 2026, here's where we really start to have things come together. Um, when I think about what we've been adding, what we've been building towards, I think that this is a sort of conclusion a denouement of sorts, where it's the Zamperla flat ride package to really build out the capacity of the park. We're going to add a Zamperla air race. It's going to look amazing in the Scream Punk district. We're going to add something like Snoopy Space Buggies, but themed to Marvin the Martian. We're going to add uh, sort of the kite flyer ride in Coyote Creek so that we build a new path going all the way from Whistle Stop Park 
towards the corner by we have by Superman and Batwing, that path is going to be dotted with little maybe little uh, stands and kiosks and and games all the way down to the Screampunk District where we're going underneath that big old launch coaster that we added a few years ago. And we're gonna have uh, we're gonna walk by our large indoor eatery and maybe even a show venue in there too that we can use all year long. And we're gonna keep going down there. We're gonna go past the other rides that we added in from the Zamperla flat ride package all the way down to Coyote Creek, where we used to have Renegade Rapids and Mind Eraser. Instead, it's gonna be maybe five to seven new rides along this path, really creating. A sort of a matrix what's the word i'm looking for dj it's not a hub and spoke pattern but it's a bunch of loops where we do have that connecting pathway all the way from the corner of the park yeah, kind of like a, a ring system or something yes that's it where it's a little more intuitive where if you go in the direction that you see the big roller coaster the path is going to take you there and I, I think that's what we're building towards. Yeah, you're actually going to get there. Yep. Yeah, and so I think that's what we need, and that's what we're building with this new pathway and these new Zamperla rides, which are really going to add that capacity. And they're hardy rides, DJ. You can run them in a lot of weather. Uh, so that's what we're going to be adding in 2026, really building out the park. Yeah, and we'll go to our last year here, 2027, which makes me a little sick saying that date. Uh, but in 2027, we'll be unveiling a, a new dark ride. It's untitled. Uh, we got to this by thinking about, you know, the, the Battle for Metropolis rides that exist at a bunch of Six Flags parks. But we also got to thinking, you know, is, is this really going to make sense in 2027? Will the characters still be relevant? Will the experience itself, the technology, will it be relevant? Will it stand up? So we're not sure um, what it will be. We imagine it's some sort of technological successor to the uh, Justice League ride. Um, it'll use new technology, of course, but uh, perhaps it's even paving the way for other Six Flags properties to uh, form their new ride based off of this ride. It will be an all-ride attraction as well. That's something else to point out. That's something that we said at the beginning we feel like this park needs is more of these attractions, and so this will be a, a way to move towards that, a ride that everyone can ride, uh, no matter age or height, as long as there's a, a responsible accompanied accompany guardian or accompanied sibling, whoever it is, parent, you, you name it. Uh, they'll be able to jump on this ride and, and have a great time and, and really enjoy just being together as a family. I think that we've done what we set out to do, DJ. Let me review our must-dos real quick, see if we did them. We did fix some dead ends. We put in some high-capacity attractions. Uh, not sure how high the capacity of the launch coaster is going to be, because that's going to be the most popular coaster in the park, without a doubt. So that's going to draw big crowds. I guess we'll uh, really push for those flash pass sales as well, uh, correspondingly. But... We did increase the number of attractions, and we will have that all-ride attraction to check that box. We've made some additions that are going to be operable in all four seasons of Thrills. Um, we figured out what to do with Roar. In this case, unfortunately, it was Remove It, but I will say we probably replaced it with something even better, with that Screampunk district, and then we have that eatery and some of the Zamperla flat rides will be in the footprint of where Roar was as well. We built on some of those licenses that we had with Looney Tunes and maybe DC Comics down the road. Who knows what's going to be popular in 2027. And we did finally build a unique roller coaster 
at Six Flags America. So I think we did it, DJ. I think we did it. I think we did it. We checked a lot of boxes, and I think we set out what we set out to accomplish. And I think you did it, dear listener, for listening to this podcast. I think we're over the two-hour mark at this point. I want to thank you for listening, whether it was in a car, whether it was at work, whether we're just you're, you're hanging out, whether you watch in pieces. We want to thank you for being along with us in the ride. And, uh, you know, that brings us to the point in the show where we ask, we want to hear from you. What would you have done different? Are you familiar with this park? Have you been here before? Uh, are you like me? You're just, you've heard about it. You're, you know things about it. You're looking at it from Google Maps. What did we miss uh, what should we have done differently? What would you have done had you been the head of the board and we were the CEO? Yeah, if you want to tell us what you would have done differently or how wrong we are about something, there are many ways that you can do that. You can go to Facebook, Corkscrew Convos. Go like the page. Go talk to us there. Start a Corkscrew conversation with us. We're also on the Twitter and the Instagram. Just search Corkscrew Convos, and there we are. We can also send us an email if you don't have any of those newfangled social media accounts. It's also okay. Just send us an email to corkscrewconvos at gmail.com. And I also think, dear listener, if you've made it this far, if you are two hours in with us, you should subscribe if you've made it this far. It's very easy to do. Of course, it's free. It's not like Twitch where you pay money to subscribe. No, this is free. It's either subscribing to us on your favorite podcast, place to listen to podcasts, I should say. You can follow us, whatever that looks like. The point here is that you get thrown into a queue. Uh, we're in a queue, I should say, and you're able to see our episodes as they come out. Um, you don't have to watch them when they come out, of course, but if you're like me and you subscribe to a lot of different things, I do like to be able to have the things I really like being in one specific spot where it exists by itself. I can access it, you know, whenever I want to. I know it's there. Everything's in order. So definitely consider doing that. It, it helps us out as well. And what also helps us out is telling your friends about the show, uh, whether that's through a review on Apple. Again, if, if we give you, if you give us a five-star review on there, uh, we'll give that that review on the show. We'll actually read it out. We'll give you a shout out. It's a great way to tell your friends about the show and also people that might not be your friend at all. It definitely helps us out. So consider doing that as well. Yeah, they're just friends that you haven't met yet, to say the least. But it's a, like he said, it's an easy way to get your username or your name shouted out to a group of people over the internet. And in my opinion, there isn't anything better. There is not anything better than that. And uh, as always, uh, be sure to check out my Twitch. I haven't been on there too often because uh, as Chris has been receiving my text messages, I've been finishing uh, redoing my shower, so tiling it as best as I can. I'm on the very last legs. Um, that being said, when that's over, hopefully you'll see me there on Twitch a little bit more, play some scary games, play some Planet Coaster, uh, play some interesting, weird games maybe you not have heard of as well. So check me out on there, DJ Four Fire. It's a good time, DJ Four Fire, DJ F-O-U-R-F-I-R-E, that's how you spell it. But until next time, my name is Chris. And my name's DJ. And this has been another Corkscrew Convo. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody.